Hey, you guys, I wanted to let you know that I was a little under the weather when I recorded this, so please excuse my crazy voice. I hope you can get past it, and hopefully I'll be better by next week. Hey family, welcome to the Hands Up, Don't Shoot podcast, where I, your host, Ashley France Howell, tell the stories of Black victims of police brutality. Before we get started today, you've probably noticed by now that I have updated my cover art. When I first started this podcast, and I mentioned this last week, but I didn't really know how far I would take this thing. And now that I am more invested, I decided to put a little more love into my cover art and to sort of give a better idea of what this podcast is about and to make something more visually appealing. I wanted my cover art to speak to the content and be a better representation of what I have to share. So I hope you guys like it. I have also created a Buy Me a Coffee page so you can support me in other ways. I enjoy bringing the content to you all every week and supporting will help me continue to do so. You can check it out on buymeacoffee.com slash hudspod. Now on to today's stories. Welcome to episode 14. I do want to give a trigger warning for this first story. It does involve the death of a child. So if that makes you uncomfortable, please feel free to move on to part two. Today, I'll be telling you the stories of Tamir Rice and Latanya Haggerty. Tamir Rice was born on June 25, 2002 in Cleveland, Ohio. His mom's name is Samaria Rice, and his father's name is Leonard Warner, but he wasn't really active in Tamir's life. Tamir was the youngest of four siblings who he loved to be around. His mom said, quote, As a single parent and his dad not really being around, Tamir was very attached to me. He would give me hugs and kisses. He was able to keep the family laughing and basically kept us glued together. He went from one activity to the next. He really enjoyed soccer. He enjoyed football. He enjoyed basketball as well. He liked to draw too. He was part of the art program. He liked his school for the most part. I would say he liked science and reading. I was able to expose him to the things that I wasn't exposed to. I put him in mentoring and tutoring. I really try to keep him out of trouble by keeping him busy. On November 22, 2014, Tamir was playing alone with an airsoft gun outside of Kudel Recreation Center. So, airsoft guns are well known for their orange tip that distinguishes them from real guns. But this gun had the orange tip removed by the owner. It's not for sure known how Tamir got the gun, but I have seen a couple of reports say that a friend of Tamir's had given it to him while he went to charge his phone. 
So while Tamir was playing, a witness called 911 to report that someone was handling a gun in a park. There were two things that the caller noted. One, that the person was, quote, probably a juvenile. And two, that the gun was, quote, probably fake. These are two key pieces of information that the dispatcher did not share with the responding officers, Frank Garnback and Timothy Lowman. The 911 dispatcher received an eight-day suspension because of this. By the time the officers arrived at the scene, Tamir had the toy gun in his waistband and he was throwing snowballs at the sidewalk. Officer Garnback was driving the patrol car when they arrived at the rec center. Officer Lohman was still in field training. In the surveillance video, you can see the police car pull up a few feet from Tamir and within literal seconds of their arrival, Officer Lohman gets out of the car and fires shots at Tamir. The video is extremely grainy, but you can definitely tell that Tamir wasn't given any time to surrender or explain himself. They even stood around him for a while without trying to render aid. Tamir's sister, 14-year-old Tajay, was inside the rec center when someone told her that her brother was shot. When she tried rushing to her brother's side, she was tackled by police, handcuffed, and placed in the back of a patrol car while Tamir lay dying. Tamir's mother had been threatened with arrest after trying to run to her son as well. She learned of the shooting from two boys who had knocked on her door to tell her that Tamir had been shot. She said she didn't believe them at first, but she quickly realized that they really were telling her the truth. He was taken to a local hospital, but died early the next morning. Tamir was 12 years old. Officer Lohman was suspended and Officer Garnback faced no criminal charges at all. In 2015, a grand jury decided against charging Officer Lohman with any crime. Three years after the shooting in 2017, Officer Garnback was suspended for 10 days for violations regarding the shooting. Again, this is 2017. The shooting happened in 2014 and he was suspended for 10 days because he violated some policies when it came to the shooting. Officer Lohman was fired, but it was not for the shooting. It was actually because investigators found that he lied on his employment application. So again, this happened three years after Tamir's shooting, where one officer... One was not charged at all and was suspended for 10 days. And the other officer was fired for something unrelated to the shooting. Both officers did face federal charges, but in December of 2020, 
the Justice Department announced that there wasn't enough evidence to, quote, support federal criminal charges against the Cleveland Division of Police officers Timothy Lohman and Frank Garnback, end quote. In April of 2016, the city of Cleveland settled with the Rice family for $6 million. That same year, Tamir's mother, Samaria, founded the Tamir Rice Foundation and the Tamir Rice Afrocentric Cultural Center. Their about page says, quote, The Tamir Rice Foundation invests in the growth and enrichment of all children through after-school programs in arts and culture, by allowing them to express their truth and to improve their lives as they grow into young adults. The Tamir Rice Foundation also seeks to advocate for police reform by advocating to change laws and implement new policies for the system with community oversight for police accountability and community reform dialogue, end quote. And that family was the story of Tamir Rice. Now I'm going to tell you the story of Latanya Haggerty. Latanya Haggerty was born on January 12, 1973 in Chicago, Illinois to Maurice Sr. and Barbara Haggerty. She was the youngest of four siblings. After graduating from Southern Illinois University, Latanya worked at Encyclopedia Britannica, Inc. as a computer analyst. She wanted to be a model, and according to her friends and family, Latanya had a lot going for her. She was good-hearted, she had a great career, her family was very supportive, and she had lots of friends. On June 4, 1999, around 4.30 p.m., Raymond Smith, a college friend of Latanya's, had picked her up from work to take her home. According to his statement to investigators, on the way to Latanya's home, Raymond said he had stopped his car, sort of impeding traffic, to talk with a friend who had left his jacket in the car. A police cruiser that was driven by Michael Williams, along with his partner, Serena Daniels, had pulled up alongside Raymond. Officer Daniels, who was riding on the passenger side, asked Raymond if he had a driver's license and insurance. He told her that he did, and Raymond claimed that Officer Williams told him to, quote, get your punk ass off the street. This statement was denied by Officer Williams. And this was the initial encounter with the officers. So Raymond drove off, but he pulled over again when he saw flashing lights in his rearview mirror. It was Officer Williams and Officer Daniels again. This time, Officer Williams got out of his police cruiser walked up to Raymond's side of the car and asked for his license and insurance card again. Raymond said that he cracked the window just enough so that he could slide the cards through, but he said that Officer Williams had hit the window with his fist and told Raymond to, quote, put the window down before I break it out and beat your ass. 
Raymond said he was scared, so he decided to drive off and the officers chased after him. He used the phone in his car and tried calling his father, but his dad didn't answer. So when he couldn't reach his father, he called his mom, who was actually at the hospital, and told her that police were chasing him. Officer Daniels fired two rounds into Raymond's right rear tire, and there were two other officers, Officer Williams and Officer Wilson. They each fired one time. Raymond's mother kept telling him that he needed to pull over, but he's saying he just didn't want to pull over because he was too scared. So Raymond's sister had ended up calling him and told him to just go to their uncle's office. And their uncle worked at a local newspaper. So once he got to the curb in front of the office, Officer Williams and Daniels, who were back in the car, had sort of angled their car in front of Raymond's car. And then the other officer came in from the back and they boxed him in. So there were witnesses and the officers that said that Officer Daniels opened the door and started to struggle with Raymond and she was just trying to get him out of the car, but he resisted. So two other officers jumped in and pulled him out. And according to Raymond, he said they sort of beat him up. They hit him, knocked him to the ground, pounded on his back. And one of the officers that was standing on the passenger side of the car had his gun drawn on Latanya. He said he saw her with a cell phone in her hand. Apparently, she was told to raise her hands, but she did not do so. And so Officer Daniels said that when she was looking in Raymond's car, she saw a shiny object and she thought it was a gun. And so she ended up shooting Latanya, saying that she feared for her life. After shooting Latanya, it was reported that Officer Daniels had said, just damn. She kneeled down beside Latanya's body and put her head on a coat, stroked her hair and said, quote, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to shoot you. I thought you had a gun. According to the autopsy, the bullet struck Latanya's left shoulder, passed through her heart, lungs, and liver, and stopped right under her right armpit. When police had searched the car, they did find a silver padlock but it was on the floor. So remember, one of the officers said that he only saw a cell phone in Latanya's hand. And Officer Daniels said that she saw a shiny object. 
I'm not sure what she saw. Maybe it could have been a reflection of the padlock. But again, we don't know what she saw. A report that was compiled by the Chicago Police Department's Office of Professional Standards concluded that Officer Daniels had reacted in an unjustified manner. The police board fired Officer Daniels, as well as two other officers at the scene, and another was suspended for one year. Latanya's family wanted to go to trial, but they were talked into getting a settlement. At first, they asked for $100 million and were offered $5 million instead. And there were negotiations over several days that were back and forth, back and forth. And finally, they agreed on a range of $15 million to $20 million. And soon after, the city agreed to pay out $18 million, which was the largest settlement of its kind at that time. And the recipients would be her parents, her brothers, and her sister. And that family was the story of Latanya Haggerty. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Facebook by searching for the Hands Up, Don't Shoot podcast group. On Instagram at HudsPod. And I'm now on Twitter at HudsPod. And you can check out my website at www.hudspod.com. Remember, Hudspod is spelled H-U-D-S-P-O-D. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you get the latest episodes. And if you don't mind, please leave me a five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>